Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 134th episode of the Truth Island podcast. One of those words, much like pride, that has seemingly gone from bad to being good is the word passion. When we think of the word passion in a modern context, we think of an actor moving to Los Angeles in the hopes of landing a big movie role, a painter working on their latest landscape, or an author plugging away countless hours into a novel they have no idea will be successful. Passion is often said to be a good thing, as countless young people are told each day by inspirational TED Talk speakers to simply follow their passions when seeking out a career or even deciding the best course of action for how they should be spending their time. However, the word passion was not always associated with romantic gestures or artistic masterpieces, but as something rather negative. In fact, one of the very first definitions for the word passion is a strong and barely controllable emotion, which has often been tied to lust. For example, when we think of evil operating in the world, we often think of these intentions as being controlled by lust, which in many ways is a cousin for passion, which is very befitting the phrase passionate lovemaking. Another side effect of passion is its ability to turn off our ability to reason and think critically. On one hand, this can be viewed positively as it is the basis of countless romance novels and even the basis for numerous political causes. But on the other hand, our passion can often blind us to what is really sound and logical. Passion allows us to focus solely on a single object of desire, which is excellent for achieving results, but it can also blind us to alternative possibilities. Helping me to keep my passion, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, I know you're married, but is there anything else in this world that you are passionately in love with? No. (laughs) Good, good man. Good man. Just, you know, in case the wife's listening, we've got to make sure we uh, round our corners there. (laughs) No, um, I think that passions, at least, so if we're looking at it in, you know, in the modern sense and how we, how we often use it today in like a, follow your passion or I'm passionate about the guitar, I'm passionate about, you know, seafood. Um, I guess what people are simply trying to say for the, you know, for the latter, it's, you know, um, um, I like, I really like, I'm really like, I'm they're trying to describe the, if there, if there was a gradient of like, they're trying to describe the, the uh, they're trying to articulate that their, their, their gradient is on the far end of the liking of the, of the enjoyment of these things. So like guitar or seafood. But if it's the former, it's I, I I understand what they're saying too, but it's troublesome. This is this part of this 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 this, this usage of passion is also troublesome. But what they're trying to say is, you know, follow the things that you like, follow the things that call out to you, the things that you naturally gravitate towards, and enjoy. So those things, I can say, you know what? Fine. That's there's no there's really no reason to attack to to attack those that those usage right I mean sure, that, those usage <laughs> uses right yeah uses yeah th- those specific uses of the word um, but when we're talking when when we when we're dealing with you know the the ancient the way the ancient man thought of passions then we're dealing with a whole we're dealing with a whole different ballgame and that's 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 is um um that's all kinds of hell yes. Um, as you, you had mentioned in your introduction, that you know it's it's literally turning off. You know, uh, it's 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 it's, a, it's an emotion that one can barely control. I mean, we have um, in the court in the courts we actually have a category for this. You know, crimes of passion, um, and they're actually kind of looked upon with some sort of sympathy, which is understandable. But it's still it's still understood that it's a crime. What you did was wrong. But the point is simply that we as human beings because we can because we can do better because we are better than this we as human beings ought to learn to um to deal with uh, because it's it, it can be it can be it can, it can be a very troubling thing i've never known anybody who says you know what uh my passions have only done me all every time i've been every time i've expressed you know a passion my expressed my passions it's turned out to be just fine for me you know? yes yes i want to kind of um just for now, lim- limit the uh, the boundaries of our discussions, the field of, of romance for just a sec. You know, we'll talk about passionate music playing in a sec, but let's just think of romance for a second. So many of our movies, novels are 
typically a protagonist, typically a male protagonist who does outlandish stuff to like win over a woman, right? He like, uh, you know, you think of the classic movie, the guy drives to the airport at the last minute and, and like picks up the good, no, Marianne, I love you, right? And then, you know, like I think of the movie, The Graduate, right? With uh, Dustin Hoffman just running into that church and, right? And when we see that kind of passion, there is a certain shutting off of logic, right? Like this guy is like disrupting this woman's wedding where the parents have paid, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to have, right? He's like, he's doing something that has no logic, but then tears come to our eyes and we say, oh my goodness, how beautiful. Even though that this, this guy is not, being is not being logical, maybe he's turning down a million dollar job. Maybe he's, you know, marrying a woman who on paper is completely wrong with him, but it brings tears to our eyes. And we think, wow, that is so amazing that, the, that this person is following their passion and, and shutting off logic for the sake of love. However, the Greeks, on the other hand, view this radically different. And I think that, um, you know, uh, I think of the Odyssey where Odysseus and his men are being tempted by the sirens, like they're, they're, they fall passionately in love with this wonderful music. But the Greeks warn us and say, whoa, man, whoa, whoa, slow down there. If you follow your passions, you're going to get eaten because that's what the sirens would do. They were really monsters in disguise that would eat men who just followed the music and just followed their heart. And the, the way I've always interpreted that story is that if you just follow your passions, you're going to get eaten because when you surrender logic and you surrender your, your reason for love or whatever, you know, you're going to fall into a pit. I'm wondering why it is that our modern society has kind of just abandoned what the Greeks tell us. And, and we now think of passion as being uh, this wonderful thing that has filled so many movies and so many romance novels. Well, I'm sure that a, a, a historian or someone who's you know studied the subject vastly will do a better job at describing this. But I think, it, you know, I suspect it started at some point, um, let's say with the, uh, some uh, at some point in history, I forget, some, misunderstanding of um, of romanticism and it was the idea that I think um, I, don't, I don't remember exactly what period but I think it became the idea that um, romanticism was this you know the, the night must die the night, the night must go on that journey that quest to you know that that um, he must prove himself to his lady and he must do outlandish go on an, well basically an outlandish, an outlandish quest for her. And the, I, that that idea um, really did seep into. I mean, it's, it, we still we still so this. For example, your your description about the man who runs after the woman, so you know, the airport of the church. We we think that these kinds of gestures are well romantic. We think they're beautiful because, and it's actually it's actually a you know some sort of a um, um, a noble deed to shut off your mind. And simply go with your passions when it comes to romance, and it's it's seen as it's seen as a virtue, a certain kind of like a romantic virtue. So it seems to be people still see it; they see it as a romantic, you know, romantic virtue to be able to shut off your mind and go, you know, do these very um, well outlandish gestures of love. But here, here's the question, okay? Why is it that? Couples like that never stay together. They never stay together. The romance, quote unquote, the action, the gesture. I mean, if you if you if you look at the United States of America, half of half half um, um, half of the of, of marriages that occur in this country end in divorce. And I'm pressed. I'm, I'm I believe that. Should I say it's it's possible to believe that because we're living in a very romantic nation. A lot of those people propose in wonderful ways, you know, from a roller coaster at the movies, you know, running, you know, making a making a freaking, you know, hot air balloon with her face on it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but two years down the line, some some of them actually, especially if you're dealing with your, you know, celebrity culture, it's, it could be as early as two weeks and you're done. But what's what a really romantic gesture. I mean, the weddings look like something out of a fairy tale. You know, the weddings are always so beautiful and outlandish. They're so passionate, you know, but then their marriages never last. 
Yeah, I mean, like it, the 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 romantic idea is really um is is something that's carried on. Um, I think it's sort of what this nation was actually built on. I, I it's it's really funny that we're talking about this now because I think the very last podcast I did with Alexander, we, we did talk about couples that you know like you you do meet some couples that say yeah i I knew right away that she was the one and sometimes it actually does work out sometimes like they 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 meet somebody um and they just know right away this person's the one and and you know i've heard stories like that i i am like you though i'm a little bit more pessimistic and i venture to say that people that have only been dating uh, for a couple of weeks or whatever, and then they decide to get married, and especially if they're really young, right? Especially if they're like in their early twenties or late teens or whatever, I, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical, and I think it's that's a train wreck waiting to happen. Again, that's just my cynicism and data and all that good stuff. There is, but what's also interesting about this though is there there has been a lot of research on couples that cohabitate with with one another they live with each other before they get married for a number of mm-hmm. years and that's that's a lot of time to start sniffing somebody right like you're that's a lot of time to be like oh okay she uh gets out of the shower this way or whatever or doesn't or leaves the dishes like that you know like it's a long time and you would think well if these if these if this couple like lives all these years together and sniffs each other out and finds all their you know quirks and all this other stuff their 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 marriage would be more robust because they have more time to learn about each other that's that's only the logical thing to conclude yeah. but the research actually shows that people that live together prior to getting married are more likely to get divorced so even if you're being super logical super cautious super careful and, l- and let's just be honest uh, what makes for a better uh, romance novel? Like, oh yeah, I lived with Jennifer for four years uh, and then we went down and, and we decided to get married or, I, and then I burst into the church and rescued her from this evil wedding or whatever, right? Like, but from a statistical standpoint, the couple that actually does it the boring way and lives like four years before getting married and really gets to know one another, they're actually the ones that are more likely to get divorced than the ones that, uh, you know, maybe get married uh, just like on a whim. Yeah, because the people who are getting married on a whim and the people who are, I mean, it's never been about getting married on a whim. There are people who got married on a whim and their marriage lasted 50, 60 years. It's, yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not a matter of, um, here it's, a, it's, it's not so much a matter of, you know, how quickly you get married or how long you stay together before you get married, but um, more along the lines of what you understand about the world and how relationships actually work. Now, there's some people who understand relationships intuitively and others who have done hard work to figure out, okay, um, I'm going to be married. I'm going to basically spend my life with this woman or this man. How do I go about that in a way that's not, um, you know, not people think that because it's modern, it must be good. It's it's like technology. We equate ideas to technology. It's like, okay, it's the the new improved Ford Wrangler. It's like, <laughs> it's a Jeep Wrangler, I believe. So it's new improved Jeep Wrangler. It's like, oh, well, it's, uh, of course, it's new and improved. It must be better. Well, yeah, sure. But it's not always the same way with, you know, with moder- with ideas. We think, okay, because it's it's a, it's a an idea that's been, you know, that's been pre- you know, pervasive in the 21st century. We, 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 we ought to live our lives and build our, build our marriage on it or live, you know, our, our romance. It's never about our romance on it. And then we end up finding out that it was the most catastrophic idea um, that we've ever experienced. So I think that I think it's really people young or old, doesn't matter who can figure out really because there are patterns in this world. There are things you just don't do. I don't care where you are. If you slap a man, he's going to slap you back unless his ethics or his values dictate otherwise. But naturally, people just want to slap you right back. So the point is simply that there are things in this world you don't do. There's a there's a way there's a way there's a way to be in the world so that the world doesn't pummel you. And so um, there are the people who get married on a whim, yeah, passionate. It's like, yeah, sure, um, let's just do it, right? We're young, we're hip. And then it ends up you know, in, in some sort of a very un- unpleasant situation. And the people who um, don't get married, but stay together and you know, stay, live, live together forever and end up you know, um, getting married and still not working out. Well, they're, they're, they're the exact same kind of person as the other person. It's just there are people who, it is so logic, logic being logical and careful doesn't necessarily mean that, you're, that you I, I don't know, understand how things work. I mean, it just means you're scared. It means you're, you're a coward, basically. 
And well, here's one I know about women. They don't really like cowards. So um, I think that it's not really about being careful. It's not really, be, it's not really about being you know, rash and rash. It's really about understanding the world because logic, logic and wisdom, I'm sure they, they often go hand in hand. But they're not often the same things. I I I agree with that. Like I, I think that you know if you took a girl out to a date on Valentine's Day and say, well, logically, I don't think that we should be married at this particular juncture. Like you know, I mean, the, the, like who the hell are you, right? It's like, am I am I going out with a, a chemistry professor here or something? You know, right? It, it's 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 pretty much a buzzkill to say things like that. What, while you were talking, though, you actually triggered a thought in my head. Maybe it's okay to be initially passionate about something like, oh, you know, oh my God, this woman, I'm passionate, I'm, I'm head over heels. Maybe, the, maybe there's some beauty in that. There's some romance that's there and, and that should be celebrated. I think it's how we apply logic and reason in the aftermath of that passion that really really is going to determine how it works, right? So like you can, and, and you can, you know, we're, we're talking about romance right now, but later on we can probably apply this to much more. It's like, you yeah. can have a passion for something, but you have to be prepared for the consequences of what happens when that passion wears thin and now logic and reason kind of have to kick over, you know, take over. Yeah, so I, I, would, I would have to step back on that and here's why. I think that passions, you know, come they come naturally, and I believe that they're not a, they're not something. There's a certain passion, certain things that just happen naturally that we, we we until until we reach a certain level of maturity, we just have going to have to accept the fact that this is going to be the case. But just because they're the case doesn't mean they're the right response, or as you even say they're the um, appropriate response, or should I say they're the most helpful response? You know, if somebody shoves me in, in a subway my my natural passionate response is to get angry that's just it that's what i'm going to do is i'm going to get angry but it's not going to be helpful in that situation now because it's going to escalate the situation and before i know it i'm going to be spending the night in jail or dead so um i think that a, a romantic response or a passionate romantic response um is often the natural response to a woman or a man that you're very interested in um, but it's not always how you say the best response. And it's not how you say it's not. It's not always the the. I should I even say it's not the response. It's not the um, the vehicle that you use to convey your 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 interest, because passions has a way of being very um, well. We've mentioned it before, um, illogical in the sense of not illogical in the sense of well, should I be not is that like for you Sheldon Sheldon no not Sheldon's illogical no. <laughs> Not like a Sheldon's <laughs> love. What we're talking about, just a rational, decent human man or a rational, decent human woman. Because what you, and there are people who don't mind this. I'm just speaking this in the, because at the end of the day, right now, what I'm about to say is, is super, is super, you know, um, um, subjective. At least, yeah, so at least it's, it's subjective. Because the way I see it, you know, um, a passionate man or a woman, when, how they express that kind, that gesture, that kindness, hasn't really been thought thought through. It's not really so much. It's not really their kindness. It's a, it's a passionate response. It's an automatic response. It's almost like a, it's almost like a response. It's almost like a, a, a choiceless response. It means that you just felt it and you acted. You didn't really choose. It's subhuman. It's not really human. Is there anything to be human is to choose. It, that's what makes us so so brilliant, so different, so unique in the way that we mold ourselves. Every choice we make as human beings molds us into molds us into a certain kind of human being, a certain kind of category, and really just it really does define the kind of person we are before we die. So if you're if you're if you're making if you're if you're making if you you know um, making uh, how you say decisions or basically not decisions but it's if you're if you're re reacting to, to, to situations in, in 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 a passionate way you're not really choosing you're not really making those decisions critically you're not saying this i'm gonna buy her flowers because i think she'll like that it's just like flowers oh that's romantic yes i'll do it blah 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 <laughs> you're doing these wonderful things but not as a human being you're doing it as a as a creature, yet yeah, a harmless creature, but a creature nonetheless. You know? I like what you're saying, actually, and I think I think you're right that 
even in the mists of passion, there has to be logic applied to that situation. And I like the example, like I've been in situations where I'm driving along and some guy curses me out. He's like, what the, what the hell did you do? And the passionate move, right? Like the Bruce Willis move is for me to get out of my car and be like, what did you say? Right? Like that's, that's like the passion talking, right? The passion is there. That's like the badass Bruce Willis move to do. But in those situations, my logic always kicks in and says, you know, okay, here's what the passionate thing to do is. And here's the logical thing. And the logical thing is to just ignore it, not make eye contact and just keep on driving by. And people will call that cowardly or whatever, but I'm like, no, I'm just a logical human being. And if I, if I stop and curse this guy out and it escalates, it's going to be a disaster for the both of us. There's no reason to do that. So my logic always kicks in. And I think you're right that even in romantic encounters, logic is still there. Maybe maybe it's not in the forefront, but it's still there in the background. And I'll give you a really, really kind of, um, forgive me, this is a very carnal uh, um, example. But, <laughs> right? This is going to be very carnal, but let's say you're passionately in love with somebody and then you're making love, but then you stop and say, hold on now, I need to put on protection. Right. So even though you're passionately in love with this woman, you're, you're stopping yourself and saying, whoa, 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 uh, let, let me let, let me put on a rubber here. That's an example of where you have passion, but you still have the undercurrents of logic being like, OK, even though I love this woman, I only know her for two weeks and I don't know what the hell my life will be like if I have a baby with her. So that that's an example of where you have passionate lovemaking. But at the same time, you're, you're pausing it for just a second and, and taking the necessary precautions because you don't know if she's going to be the right one to start a family with. Well, that's the that's the thing. That's the thing. I, I would say that even the love making the love making itself is in the passion, in the sense of if you don't know her that well to the point where you're comfortable enough to be comfortable with her, why? What the hell are you doing in her bed, Mike? What are you doing? I you must you know you you must have made you must have been there for a reason, or should I say, for a reason that may be no reason other than the fact that you wanted you know, um, the the jolly goods. Well, hold, we, on, hold on one second. Hold on one second there. You could let's say you meet a girl when you're 18 years old. Okay, you're 18 years old. There's no way in hell that you're in a position that you're going to be able to start a family. You're only 18. You're a kid. You know, you still you just you don't have the means of, of actually starting a family. And you know, and you meet this woman, and you're making love with her. And you say to yourself, okay, yeah, I, I love this woman. I want to be with her. But hey, I'm 18. She's 18. We're just kids. We're just not ready right now. That's logic, you know, kind of kicking in saying, hey, just, you know, wait until you're a few years out into the workforce and you have the down payment for whatever, you know, like, I, I think that you could still be passionately in love with somebody, but then you still have logic and reason in, in the background, like running in the background being like, hey, you're 18, man, just just hold off a little bit here. And then let's let's handle this sensibly. Well, then we're dealing with we're dealing with all kinds of things here, because the question is, when you say you're passionately in love with her, and you want to go to bed with her, the big question is in love with what? Which part of her are you in love with? What do you What do you mean by love? Do you I mean Do you love her values? Does Does she love your values? Do you love her parents? Do you love where she comes from? Where she's going? What do you mean by your passion in love with her? What What is the What is the um, What is the the anchor in which your love is found? Is it you know Is it I mean Let's just say Let's just say the same same exact thing. You found a, a you know um, a young lady that you were quote unquote passionately in love with, right? And then you found out that, you know, you, um, that she was born with some sort of, let's just say HIV, but she inherited it from her parents in birth, right? All right, what, what next? What next? Do you still want to sleep with her? And do you still want to pursue a relationship, a future? Do you still want, what, what are you passionately in love with? I'm saying that what I'm trying to describe here is that whatever, whenever there is a passionately in love with anything, the passions is a fleshly desire. The passions is a very fleshly, fleshly. Um, it's not a soul love. It's not a matter of, oh man, I, I like her. There's something about her in the sense of when I see her, I know who she is. And if I don't know, I'm curious. I want to know who she is. I want to sit down. Even if, even if you, uh, let's just say we are at some point going to make sweet, sweet, sweet 
passionate love. Sure, whatever. But the point is simply, when you say you're passionately in love with someone, it's never really about the person. It's about what your fleshly desires want from that person. So the two are kind of how you say, it's like a paradox. To be passionately in love is to be passionately selfish. It's funny. I, I, I hear the passion in your voice, man. This is spoken like a true Casanova. <laughs> like I like talking to you, like, like talking to you, I actually feel like the cold, cynical scientist being like, well, no, you know, okay. Let, you know, let's take that example of, let's say you are in love with somebody that has a sexually transmitted disease. Okay. I think that that was actually a good example that you just brought up there. You could be passionately in love with them, and there might be some way that you can still have kids with them and start a family with them. However, it, I don't think that that passion is lessened by you just saying, hey, um, you do have a sexually transmitted disease. I do need to rubber up so that that, se- that disease is not uh, transmitted from you to me. I don't, I don't, I don't like shame that guy and say, Hey man, you're not really passionately in love with that woman unless you accept that sexually transmitted disease from her or whatever, you know, like, like, so this is why I think that both of these forces can actually be operating in the brain at the same exact, at the same exact time, right? Like I I think that you can have one of one part of your brain that is just illuminated with passion of like, I I love this person. I, I want to give them everything. I want to spend my life with them and, and so forth. But there's always that other part of the brain that is just like, Hey, I'm only 18 years old. I, I can't start a family right now. Hey, the, this woman has a sexually transmitted disease. I got to rubber up to make sure that doesn't spread. You know, like I, I, I think that these two systems can be operating in, in the brain. I think, I think scientists would call it right brain versus left brain. However, you want to like break it down. I think you can have both of these things. I think it becomes highly dangerous when you shut off one part of the brain entirely. So if you become a cold calculating scientist, well, that's Mm -hmm. also dangerous because now your life has no passion. It has no flavor. It has no taste. It has no excitement, right? So if you shut off your logic and reasoning, uh, I'm sorry, if you shut off all of your passion, all of your artistic cravings, and you're just a logical robot, that can be dangerous. But I think that um, shutting off logic and reasoning and just being a passionate butterfly is also equally as dangerous. So I think having both of these systems operating on and off. And when I say operating at the same time, I don't mean that they're actually operating at the same time. I mean, they're actually shutting on and off at different intervals and during different circumstances of that romantic encounter. So you're at a Valentine's dinner. Well, now you're allowing your your romance and your passion to take the forefront and your logic to kind of recede into the background. However, you then come to some other kind of critical juncture like buying a house together. And now all of a sudden you're allowing your logic and your reasoning to come to the forefront and the romance to kind of uh, sit in the background. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, I mean, I can understand that. I, I really, it, it does It does make sense what I'm trying to say. The, 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 the point is simply that, I mean, but there's a difference. There's a difference in the sense of, you know, um, so the young man who, you know, if you even listen to what the, the examples of the things the young man was thinking about concerning the young lady, um, all of them have to do with his own safety and his own security, not hers. Um, second is, you know, the idea that it's not about him taking, taking on the disease himself. The idea was simply to illustrate that it was, it, passions have to do with the fleshly desire. It's all about the woman's body or the man's body. It's not really about, the, to, to love, to love a human being, we, we say that, you know, I'm, I remember I, someone had mentioned, I forget, I really want to give this person credit, but I forget where I got, where, where I heard this from, is that a person had said that, you know, we love our mothers, but we also love ice cream. In the <laughs> sense we, we love everything. We just love this, love that, love that. And then we expect, and when someone tells, when then we expect, you know, um, when someone tells us, I love you, that they mean it. The person just Five minutes ago, it talks about how much she loved fish tacos. Yeah, and the truth yeah. Is, I'm not very sure that her love for you is any greater than the love of fish tacos, mate. Oh no, so- the word the word love has been cheapened in our culture beyond belief. Yeah. I, I I agree with you, man. Like 
you should say, oh, I, I have a, a proclivity. I have an affinity for fish tacos. Totally cool. Yeah. And now we're dropping the love word for I love Doritos. And I, I agree with you, man. It's that word has been completely bastardized by, by our society, man. Totally, yeah. totally right about that. So that's the thing is that, you know, and it's, it may not be, it may not be simply, I mean, we could have, we could have the same word to describe, to describe it all. But the point is that, and I don't know where, if, if which came first, the chicken or the egg. The point is simply that our, just like our trivialization of the word love, we also trivialize the actuality of love itself. We, we live in a country where people often say, I love you before they hang up the phone. And they just do with their family members, brothers, sisters, wives, and children, and so forth. And it's the truth. Uh, hopefully, well, I mean, what I mean is, it's the truth that that's, that's what they do. But I don't know if that's the truth of how they actually feel. But because at the end of the day, the way we treat each other as human beings is phenomenal, you know? So I, I, one of the reasons I really like celebrity culture is because they exemplify this. <laughs> they're all about, have you ever seen The Boys? It's a, it's a- um, Oh, the superheroes, yeah. The superhero thing. Excellent, you know? yeah, so, excellent, yeah, excellent show. Thank you. It's a it's a great experiment in 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 the human 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 experience. So here's here's the thing, okay? I like Homelander. Here's why. Because he understands that people are schmucks, and this is what he does. All right, he's a bastard. But listen to what he does. He comes down as a superhero, lands, cracks the ground, smiles, winks, points at them, and says, "You guys are the real heroes." <laughs> <laughs> No, we're not. You know, it's the same thing stars do to us. That, that terrible condescension when you look at us and say, you know, you guys are the real stars. No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> like like a hundred thousand of us literally just gave you hundreds of millions of dollars right now to sing a song. Okay. So we're not, we're not the real stars, but stars exemplify this in their lives in the sense of, you know, they're very passionate people. And you hear them talk about how passionate they are about everything. Here's the interesting thing. It's hard to find. It's hard to find a couple's relation, a star's, you know, star. And I don't want to pick on them. I just want to use use them as an example because that's actually this is actually how what they do. Sure. Often when they get into the into a relationship, the media covers it, and when they're talking to the media, they're talking about how wonderful it is, how exciting it is, how brilliant it is, how passionate both of them are. And then they, you know, the 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 coy. Uh, the coy in interviewer always wants to talk about your sex life and they usually give a wink and a nod to it like oh oh it's there or he's packing or whatever <laughs> you know but here's the thing here's the thing after all that after all that declaration of love after all that declaration of his fineness and his goodness or her kindness and her and her wonderfulness and how they literally she they always they often say not always but they often say this he's changed my life after all that life changing, a month later you hear they get divorced. Yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? So my this is this to me that is that is the peak of passions. That is what passions does, especially romantic passions. That's what it does. Well, I, I I think it also. Well, I I do think there's another component to that as well, okay. and that is I think people are just easily like one thing, and this is something that I've only discovered, you know more like I, I I knew it to be true when I was younger, but it didn't actually like, I didn't actualize it as a truth until much later that all love is basically silent good actions for one another. Like I actually hold that to be a much higher standard of love is just, hey, I'm doing this silent kind act for you. It doesn't need to be broadcasted to the world. Doesn't need to be put on your Instagram or your Facebook. Look at us going to the amusement park or whatever, right? Like love is really just a bunch of silent, thankless, like completely thankless. Like, Hey, I, I know you had a hard day. There's some hot cocoa on the table. I, you know, just like, just done silently, just done, um, you know, without anyone ever asking you, I think those are the highest forms of love. And I think that those celebrities, they truly believe that they are in love because they haven't actually figured out the proper definition of love. So, oh yeah, you know, um, he's changed my life and all that stuff. Yeah, they say I love you a lot on the phone and they actually think that that's love because they haven't actually done the research. They haven't actually put in the legwork in obtaining the wisdom to realize that love is actually very silent and thankless behaviors that occur on a daily basis. That's true love right there. True love is man, I, I ironed your pants without even you asking me to or something along those lines. Or, hey, you know, I, I saw that you were sick and I just decided to take care of that for you. That's real love. And I think 
I think that those people think that they're in love. They just don't have the proper wisdom to know what love actually is. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But just, you know, just because you think you're in love and uh, I mean, but here's the thing is that, you know, it's, it's part of our culture as Americans. It's, it, it's part of our culture. That kind of love is, is the ideal. Can you imagine? We're living, in, we're living in a world where that's the ideal place to be. Um, you used to hear, you heard a story of a, um, uh, of a young lady who had decided to leave her husband because he wasn't, you know, as passionate or as exciting as, you know, um, this other um, young lad courting her, right? Just, you know, flirting with her. So she left him because he wasn't as exciting. Yes. yes. And then, here's, here's the thing, here's the thing. And then... The other bugger left her. <laughs> yes. He wanted. You know, so the idea that this is the ideal, that love is this passionate, always passionate, always, um, um, well, I think passion is a pr proper word for this, always passionate every day, romantic love is ridiculous. Yes. Okay. What you just said is immensely important. And I actually think that you've just thrown the ball back into the court of the Greeks because I've heard this a thousand times over. There's, you know, oh, we went on vacation. We did all the crazy stuff. He, he showed up to my apartment, my dorm room with flowers. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is that banality starts kicking in, right? You're married. Uh, you got bills to pay. Um, you, you, you figure out, oh man, this guy snores or whatever. This, this girl snores when she, when she goes to sleep. Um, sometimes he just lets out a fart. It's annoying. You know, like, like all of this banality starts kicking in and it completely destroys the passion, completely destroys the romance. That's where I think true love begins. That, that's actually where I think, like, I, I think that if you have six months of bliss and romantic chocolate and whatever, that's not actual love. I think the true love begins when the banality, the moment that that banality and that reality sets in and the, the way that the, the, the kindness in which you treat each other in moments of banality and boredom and just monotony, that is where true love actually begins. Because I, I think that many people, when, when times are really awesome and we got honeymoon vacations, you know, uh, you know, every month coming up on the calendar, really easy to be in love, really easy to, to quote unquote love each other. And I'm using the word love very loosely in that context. The true love kicks in when, when, uh, the realities of life start weighing upon both of you. And, and then then your true character is tested. And that's why I think a lot of those celebrity uh, marriages and so forth just crush because they had passion. Like I believe them when the, when the two celebrities say, you know, oh, we had all this passion. I 100% believe that. And I believe it to be true. And I believe that they're not, they're not lying to us. They were, they're actually being earnest in the way that they're describing that. They just don't realize that, uh oh, once the banality kicks in, you know, we're going to find out that we actually don't love each other. No, no, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, me believe, well, I believe them. I just don't take them seriously. Yes. Yeah. Good way of phrasing it. Yeah. I believe, I believe that they, I believe that they believe what they're saying, you know, um, but, and if they, yeah, but it, it's, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a normal way of how we go about things here. Um, I think, so, I think actually yeah. based on what we just discussed about romance, I think we're ready now to extrapolate this principle to other facets, if that's okay with you, if you're ready to move oh, that's on. Perfectly fine, okay, so I think that if we use the example of romance, and I'm actually glad that we went there first, let's take a musician, okay? Mm. Let's, let's move this to another domain now. Oh my God, I started playing the piano and I'm passionate and I'm in love with it, okay? It's the same thing as a romantic encounter. You're, you're, you're playing, you're learning how to play the piano. You're passionately in love with it. You wanna be uh, the next Elton John, whatever, okay? What happens though, is that you find out maybe after the first three months of playing the piano, if you're actually in love with it, when it starts to really suck, right? Like that's, that's when the truth begins to come out. It's like, because when people learn something, you know, there's actually this phenomena that like, when you're learning something new, you actually learn a lot within the first two weeks. Like if you, people who actually go to the gym and work out, they lose a shit ton of weight within the first two weeks. But then after they lose all that, uh, like water or whatever, 
it becomes a lot harder to lose weight after the first two weeks. And it's like anything else. You learn a lot in the beginning, but then you hit a plateau. You hit like, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm not feeling the results. I'm not feeling that chocolatey goodness anymore. That's when, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that's when you start having to come to terms of like, am I really passionate about this thing? Like if you're, if you're learning the guitar and you're learning a lot or the piano and you learn a lot in the first month, you might say, yeah, this is my, this has been my passion all my passion all along, but then it's month seven and you're just not learning all that quickly. And it's kind of a drudgery. Like it's, it's, it's kind of a task to keep doing it. That's where true love uh, actually emerges because you're still doing something, even though you're not reaping the benefits of it immediately. Well, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. But he, I think that the problem, the problem really does arise in our language. Um, because we're a romantic nation, we have romantic ways of describing things that are not romantic in any way whatsoever. So for example, going to the gym is not at all romantic. It's actually pretty, how you say, um, um, it's pretty blood and guts. <laughs> so when we when we go when we go to the gym we have we need to have warlike warlike language because that's what it's going to be in fact i would say that any endeavor that we pick up is going to be warlike it's not going to be romantic at all um and <clears throat> this and this is and here 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 when people don't start describing things like this this is where i stop believing i don't even try to believe i don't even want to um believe because Often people want you to believe that they're passionate about something because they really want to be, they really, they like the idea of being the kind of person who is passionate about something. What, whatever the hell that means, I have no idea what kind of, you know, I, of course, it's kind of like, you know, the, the films about the geniuses, you know, who played it. He was born with a guitar clasped between his fists. <laughs> oh my. Well, hold on. I think I can help with this definition a little Talk bit. Me, okay maybe you're truly passionate about something if you can still do that thing in the absence of success okay you're truly passionate about something if you can still do it in the absence of success now what the heck does that mean well if you do something and you're really good at it right away like like immediately right you don't know if you're actually passionate about. And I'm going to give you a good example of this. Please do. I've worked with a lot of math teachers, a lot of them, okay? And I've okay. talked to a lot of them. And I always have this question of like, uh, what made you decide to become a math teacher? Like, like, why did you feel that was the right career? And I always get the same answer from 90% of them. I was really good at it. I, I just, I, it, just come, it just came natural to me. I was just really good at it. And I can tell in the way that they give that explanation they're not really passionate about it. They're just doing something that came easy to them, right? It, like it didn't, it came easy to them. They got instant results. They just, they just put minimal effort. It just came easy to them. And that's why they decided to become a math teacher. Hmm. It's actually a lot harder. Like you really are demonstrating your passion for something when you're doing something you're not, you're not rewarded for it. You're not successful for it. It doesn't come easy to you. It, it's painful. People don't care about what it is that you're doing. That's where your true love and your true passion is being tested because you're not, you're not getting that instant gratification or that instant livelihood from doing that endeavor. You're actually, you're actually suffering. Your, your, your passion is causing you to suffer in some way. Yeah. So even when we describe the, you know, describe it as passion, let's say, for instance, you know, passion, people, people are passionate about math and all that. So we had earlier, we had, you know, um, figured out, I think based on your, your, your search, that passions had to do with the idea of passion was described or defined uh, as, uh, you know, mindlessly like a, like a brainless or shutting off your, your, um, your reasoning, your reasoning ability in order to um, follow your emotional desires, right? Emotional Yes, your... yeah, that, that was actually one of the definitions I pulled out from the dictionary, yes. Okay, so when, when a person, when, the best question then, when a person says they're passionate about math, piano, guitar, singing, movies, what are they, what, what, what do they actually mean passions or are they looking, are they really saying something else but using a different word? Because to be passionate, to be passionate about is to be filled with emotion, is to be filled with un like uncontrollable or barely, as you mentioned before, barely controllable emotion and having reason either tucked away or so dim that you can barely hear it. 
So when how, how does a how does a passionate person deal with a piano? I mean, do you do you hug it? Do you run at it and just hug it? You know, do you um do you do you what do you do? Do you just run and sit there and I mean, I would imagine that you need some sort of reason in order to deal with deal with the piano in, in in some capacity because you have to sit, you have to put your fingers at the right place, push the um uh press the keys in the right sequence and so forth. So are they really passionate? Are they really filled with that uncontrollable or barely controllable emotion? Or are they simply trying to are they simply trying to describe something else that's going on, but using a different using either um, um language that comes close but not close enough, or language that just has absolutely nothing to do with what 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 they're actually experiencing? Okay. I, yeah. I want to talk about that piano for a second here. Yes, so I think that passion for the piano comes when the, when the piano does not love you back. And what that means is that, um, let's say you're a Mozart or something, and you know, I'm sure Mozart had some really rough days. That he just couldn't make genius work come out. The piano, the piano was not loving him back. He just could not finish this sonata or whatever it is that he's working on. But he loved the piano even, even when the piano was not loving him, even when it was a struggle, even when it was, banality, even when it was monotonous, even when he was like, he wrote some giant thing out. And then he's like, holy crap, I just wrote garbage. I got to throw this into the fireplace and forget about it. You know, that's, that's true passion right there is that even when that thing is not loving you back, you're still coming back to it, even even though it's not it's not giving you any kind of earthly reward in that moment. Um, now we could say with Mozart, well, he was enough of a genius that he knew eventually it would pay off. But let's take a like let's just take a piano person who okay. is not renowned for being a piano person, right? They're just, or yeah. pianist, right? Is that, I think that's mm -hmm. the right word. So let's say you're a pianist, but you're you're just you do it. Um, because you love doing it, but you're not famous for it, or it's not bringing it's not bringing money into your household. Well, there's a true passion there because it, that piano is causing you pain. It's causing you to suffer. It's causing you pain. It's causing you heartache. But you're you're and and everyone around you, you know, we all know this person, right? Maybe maybe we all know this person who's deeply passionate about their piano or their guitar. But everyone's like, bro, you're not making any money off of this, bro. Like, like, come on, dude, you're not using your brain here. You're not being logical, man. Learn, learn how to code Python or whatever it is, right? Like, like, like we, we know these kind of people, but I would say in that case, th that is true passion where your, your logic, your reasoning, other people are telling you, this is not putting bread and butter on the table. You know, you need to divert your attentions elsewhere, but you just have that, that love that just cannot be quenched by anything else. Okay, so I see. So you would describe you would describe at least this particular passion as a as an experience where a person um, is clinging to the object of their passion in spite of the you know the difficulties it brings. Yeah, or or like um, you know they're sticking to it through misfortune, and they're also sticking with it despite the low probability of any success yielding from it. Okay, okay. You know, I'm I'm not entirely sure where I'm going with this, but I, I guess. I guess we need to discuss like, is this healthy behavior? So I, I think I think maybe we need to discuss like, because on one hand, that struggling, starving artist, there's something beautiful about it, right? Like Van Gogh, I always point to Van Gogh as being the, the, the perfect example of this is that the man died without being famous, right? Like he died, I think in um, 1890 or something like that. He died he sold one painting in his entire life. Like he painted every single day. He sold one painting, died in 1890. If he had lived 11 years later, like if he had just lived 11 years longer and lived to be in 1901, he would have seen himself become famous. Really, really, really tragic. And there's something remarkably beautiful about, something tragic, but also remarkably beautiful about his story. Cause there is a man who followed his passion even though he didn't receive any earthly rewards. However, the guy did commit suicide. Like this actually probably did, you know, result in him eventually taking his own life. So I'm wondering if this type of passion is something to be applauded, or is it something that we need to kind of check check ourselves for and be like, hey man, you're 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 going off a crazy path here. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that okay, first of all, I, no, I I I I do I understand how people you know use the term today as passion you know passionate for this or you know romantic passion and then you know and and, and then differences the whole passion um, 
passion as a uh, as an overwhelming or should I say an inertial force uh, a driving force um, I'm not a big fan of any passion whatsoever but I understand why it's used at least why that word is used the way it's used today um, now when we're calling when we're dealing with someone like Van Gogh or anybody like him people who really like what they do because I'd rather say they really liked what they do because I don't think that it's I don't think that they it would have it would have looked, it might have, it might have, who knows, who knows. Um, because when, it, when, when, we're, when, when, when we're dealing with passions, I think we're dealing with, we're, we're dealing with something that's, that can become very troublesome, that can become very disturbing. But like I said, it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine as it's used today, I don't mind it, because I think I sort of kind of understand what they're trying to say. But when we're dealing with something that someone like Van Gogh or people who really enjoy or passionate about what they really what they do, um, you know, it comes down to it really does come down to the individual. Because often, I mean, you hear stories about, you know, for example, Jay-Z, his family, I believe his uncle had told him that, listen, man, this is a waste of time. Don't do it. That man is one of the richest black men alive today. It's just that simple. He's a He's, he's doing, let's just, it's safe to say he's doing well for himself, you know? Um, <laughs> I, think, I think that, you know, we have to, we, hum, human beings, we like to butt in. We like to step into people's lives as authoritative figures and we like to fix their lives. And we like to, we like to be responsible for people who are not asking us to be responsible for them. At the same time, and I, and I can understand both sides. Because on one side, you know, on the spectator side, you don't really want this kid to get hurt. And, you know, you don't, and often it's not, sometimes not really about the kid, sometimes about you. You fail, so you think they're going to fail, you know? And so it's, 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 it's understandable, even if it's, it's, it's some, of the, some of it might be silly, some of it might be just plain, plain old wicked. It's understandable because we're humans. But not every human is made from the same cloth made, you know? Where one person succeeds, another person will drastically fail and vice versa. So I think that when people really want to follow what they've got, what they, that, that calling inside, that's something that they just cannot do without. Let them. What's your business, mate? What's your business? If you really love them, stay close by. If you really love them, stay close by so that if they do fail, you, you can help them. But people don't do yeah, love. I love you, mate. You say you, I love you. 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 And then when you need your help, you're gone. Right. I really, I really, really love you, but you need to stop painting right now and get a real job, right? And it's like, well, that's love with conditions, right? Like there's well, it, it, it is, but you can't, you see, even, even, even I can't make a demand upon another person to love another person properly. You, Denzel Washington once said, you can't legislate love. He's bloody right. You can't do shit like that, you know? So, but if people, if people have the nerve to step into your life and tell you what to do, if they have the ball, also have, they ought to have the same bloody balls to step in when things go a haywire to help, you know? So the point is simply, if you're, not, if you're not going to be willing to help a person when things go bad, don't step into their lives, period. Leave them alone. Because the world is filled with people who talk so much about love and talk so much about how they want to be there for you or whatever it may be and end up disappearing. And some of them actually come in and convince people not to do what they really want to do and destroy people's lives and hearts. So I would say, um, I would say it's really, it's really tailored to the individual. Some individuals are going to make it and others are going to fail. Well, you never really know who you are. I mean, you might really, you might know who you are if you're not, you know, if you're not up to it, mate, stop it. But if you really never know, for those who of us, for those of us who are spectators from the sidelines, we can either, you know, quietly watch them and help them if we really care, if we want to, if we really care about them, quietly watch. If they don't make it, help them. If they do make it, well, congratulate them and walk away. But don't step into their lives thinking you know best for them, especially if they're not your kids, and especially if they're old enough, they're old enough to make decisions for themselves, because that's exactly what it means to be human to make those kinds of decisions, to shape our lives and our souls in those kinds of, with those kinds of, you know, um, little, little, uh, little choices. 
really, man, those are some incredibly wise words. And I, I think it reinforces what we discussed earlier, that the people that truly love you are very silent actors in our lives in the sense that, um, you know, they're not outwardly professing love every five seconds. But when you're in shambles, right, like I imagine um, a vase that just falls down to the ground, right? And it shatters, it shatters all over the floor. They're the ones that just quietly pick up the pieces with super glue and put you back together. And they don't say they're, they don't announce to the Instagram or the world that they're doing that. They just silently take the super glue out and, and put the pieces together. And then lo and behold, you're a vase again. Mm. Um, and I, I think that you're striking upon that. Very last thing, uh, we are approaching the hour mark. So this will be the very last thing that we talk about. Suppose you are that person that's enthralled within that passion. Okay. You're, 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 and you're, and let's just say you zone out other people. Let, let, there is, there is a part, how, how does one regulate themselves? Cause I, I think you, you can, you know, I think, I think your advice is really solid, like zone out other people if they're trying to harm you or dissuade you from whatever, totally good advice. How do you regulate yourself and realize, hold on, wait a minute there. Um, you know, am I being logical here with my love for the piano? Am I being logical for my love for this woman that I've known for three weeks? So how how do we how do we kind of test our own passion? Because I think there has to be a way that we as, as individuals need to check and monitor what we're getting passionate about and then make sure that we're actually being logical in the way that we're pursuing that passion. Yeah. So it comes back to earlier what you said. No, so I would never tell I would never tell a person to zone and zone zone out the advice. I would say the people who are giving the advice to actually stop giving the advice. But of course, we're never going to stop giving the advice, are we? <laughs> so, so it's it's up it's up to the artist or the whoever the person who is in love with the thing or passionate about the thing to listen, to pay attention because they might be saying something true. They really they might be saying something true. Now here's here's where your test comes in. If you get angry, if you get, you know, angry enough to be stupid, you know, to curse them out, to, to, you know, to believe they don't care about you, because obviously they care about you, they're just being troubling and they're immature, but they do care about you, at least often, often that's the case. Listen, if you're making a valid point, you're making a valid point, you have to acknowledge that. Now, if you choose to continue in spite of that valid point, you must have a reason for that. If you say, listen to me, like money doesn't really mean all that much to me. And if you're honest about that, if that's really your reason that money doesn't mean what it means to others, it doesn't mean the same thing to you, well, that's a valid reason. It means that your values are different. It means that it means that you're the, the where 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 money, the where the valuation of money is in that person's heart or mind, mm -hmm. something else exists there for you. It could be, I don't know. Um, fulfilling your own, you know, it could, I, it, it, well, not your own, I don't know. it could be, um, it could be that downtime, it could be that silent time with the object of your desire. It could be, you know, the, the, the time or the, 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 the things that that specific desire affords you. Because many people who play guitar get a chance to travel with your friends and, you know, in your little dinky dinky vans and travel the country playing at different gigs and they really value that yeah and that's more valuable than money and they make and incredible so, sacrifices they they sleep in that van yeah totally yeah but but that's the thing is that it's it's all about reason if you're still making reasonable decisions now here's the thing about reasonable decisions a person's reasonable decisions are simply this a decision that is made for a reason that's it for a reason now if you're making reasonable decisions I hope you're making good, reasonable decisions, because if you, because if once you once you say no, I'm not. I'm just doing it because I want to do it. Then you're you're really into something, mate. You're not really thinking, are you? you know, you're not really thinking, <laughs> I've seen the look in your eyes, and you're far gone. So, if you're making reasonable decisions and you're listening to others, if you're listening to others' criticism about you and what you're doing, listen, because sometimes even if they're nuts, they have they they might they might know something you don't know. My friend, actually, a friend was telling me about this yesterday. He was telling me about this. He said, they're seeing, they're only seeing a piece of the painting. Yes, um, a lad named Drew Nichols. He says, they're only seeing a piece of the painting. It doesn't mean that they're right about the entire painting. No, but they are right about that piece. Often they're right about that piece. They can describe it. They say, that's a leg. That's a leg, all right? We don't know what the leg belongs to. We don't know where it's going, but we can say that's a leg. That's what humanity is often like. We don't have the whole. We don't have the whole picture, but we're pretty. We're describing what we see, right? 
But if someone is coming out there and saying, no, that's not a leg. I thought there was a chimney. And that guy's, you know, he's, don't, don't listen to him. He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, often people, people, I would say that people often, often have your best interest in mind. And even if, you know, even if they are, um, are seeing just a little bit of the picture, they're still seeing something you can pay attention to. And if you're going to, if you're going to refute that, refute it reasonably, not as a, you know, 14 year old fist fight my dad because he makes me super freaking mad. Kind of thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I think to summarize what you're saying, I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase and you you give me the thumbs up or the thumbs down if I got this wrong. You know that you're following your passion correctly when you can logically refute criticism. So I, I, I think that like if you if you like, OK, I hear uh, what this person. Good. Excellent. OK, I got the thumbs up for those who can't see, which is pretty much just everyone outside me and you. So basically, if you can logically refute what other people are saying, then you should continue on with your passion. But if somebody says something, if your best friend comes up to you and says, hey, man, uh, you know, no one likes your music or, or just, hey, man, you know, you're going to be evicted next month and you don't have a, a, an answer to that that problem, right? Like you cannot conjure up a logical or reasonable explanation, then it's definitely at the very least, you need a pause. You need to take a, a good solid pause and double check yourself. Excellent, man, this was a great conversation. Next week, we're actually going to explore some Eastern philosophy and maybe instead of li living like this, because I think Western Westerners love passion, but Easterners actually love detachment. They're, they actually believe that detachment is a much better way to view, uh, to, to go through life. So next week, we're going to be talking about detachment. Uh, Kenny, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me, mate. This concludes the 134th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.